0: Welcome to the SLP Talk Show, real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters.
1: Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech-therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Well, 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 if it isn't the 10th episode of SLP Talk Show, can you believe it, Jim? We've done this nine times, and we're doing number 10 today.
0: Number 10. Number 10. Perfect 10.
1: Perfect 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have this new game, and it's this little trivia game, and it's called I Should Have Known That, a trivia game about things you ought to know. And in the last episode, uh, we played Stump the Chump, and I tried to see if I could uh, stump Jim with the yeah. trivia oh, questions. You did. And, and I did on a few of them. So today, I'm going to be the chump, and Jim is going to try to stump me with, with some questions.
0: Okay. Here we go. All right. Um, are there wild polar bears in Sweden?
1: Are there wild polar bears in Sweden? Yeah. This is a yes, no question.
0: Yeah, you get 50-50 shot. And the
1: answer is obviously yes. No. Oh. no.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> okay. okay. What artist is associated with the alter ego Ziggy Stardust? What? Singer.
1: I'm, I'm a singer? hmm I, I don't know.
0: Got yep, five seconds. Uh
1: uh, uh, Bob Marley. No. I have no idea.
0: No. This is David Bowie. Okay. You're over for 2. This is awesome. Uh, who was the leader of North Korea who died in 2011?
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I know his name, but I can't come up with it. He has like a brother or, a, or an uncle or a dad who's in power now. I don't know.
0: Okay, Kim Jong il.
1: Yeah, that guy. Okay.
0: Okay. So not so good on that one. You're 0 for 4. All right. I think you're worse than me. Uh, What does someone with acrophobia fear?
1: Acrophobia.
0: Acro. Acro. Not arachnophobia, but acrophobia.
1: acrophobia. They fear doing gymnastics. Acrobats.
0: No, they fear heights.
1: Heights, of course they do. 0
0: for 5. Yes. In what century did Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart live? In what century? Yeah. Uh, 18th century. Hey, you got one right. I got one right. You got one right. Now, here's an easy one. Uh, in Don't what, say that. In what, say, in what state is the city of Boston?
1: Massachusetts? Yes. All That's,
0: right. That is correct. And the last one. See, I, I told you, you some of these were pretty easy. It is the second most frequently used airport in the world and Chicago's largest international airport. O'Hare? What is it called? Yes, it's O'Hare. Like, I should be asking you airport questions. I know. Airports. I
1: do know airports. A
0: total gimme. I,
1: uh, before the pandemic, I used to fly about 45 weeks out of the year, so. Yeah. uh, And I am getting ready to fly for the first time uh, since... 2020 since March 5th, 2020. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. I leave tomorrow yeah. morning. So
0: going to Jersey.
1: Going to Jersey. Going to New Jersey. Yes, absolutely. Jersey, here I come. Okay, so you stumped the chump. Um, what was I? Three out of eight. Yeah,
0: I got three.
1: I think you got four or five yesterday or last uh, time we
0: yeah, recorded.
1: So, all right. Anyways, uh, trivia not my strong suit. Uh, it is um, fun though. We like to play trivia every week. We mm-hmm. go to yep. a local pub and uh, play trivia there
0: there are some libations involved
1: a few libations involved yes most definitely most definitely all right so what i want to talk about today is this idea that autistic children seem to have uh, an interest in letters and I want to talk a little bit about why this is. Uh, when we look at the DSM 5 criteria, diagnostic criteria for autism, two of the uh, diagnostic traits, and this comes directly from the DSM, the Diagnostic and T- Statistical Manual. Mm-hmm. So the wording of these is terrible. I'm taking these verbatim from the DSM. Right. Insistence on sameness and highly restricted, fixated interests that are abnormal in intensity or focus. Would you agree that's not? Beautifully worded.
0: That's eh, pretty negative.
1: Pretty negative. Pretty negative. So a lot of times, I would say, especially under the medical model of disability, uh, we have kind of referred to these restricted, fixated interests as obsessions. Right. Oh, he's obsessed with letters. Or, oh, he's obsessed with uh, wild animals. Or, he's yeah, obsessed that's, with...
0: That's so negative. It makes you think of, like, a stalker. A something. stalker. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's obsessed with her. He's
1: obsessed. Yeah, it's he's just
0: so obsessed.
1: Yeah, definitely not a positive take on that. And so instead of using the word obsessed, like oh he's obsessed with Angry Birds, I remember when the school mm-hmm. would tell us that about right. Aaron when he was in elementary school. Uh, and, and so instead of using the term obsessions, I think it's it's much better if we use a term like he's passionate about, right? Or his deep interests are Mm -hmm. uh, fascinated with. Uh, So I I think that we can get away from that negative term obsessions. And uh, I use the term deep interest. Uh, Currently Aaron's deep interests uh, are NASCAR wild animals and his deep interest for as long as I can remember has been letters,
0: right? He's
1: always been very fascinated with letters. So I want to talk a little bit about my theory as to why uh, autistic children Are so interested in letters. And this is just my theory. I have been a speech language pathologist for over two decades and have been working in early intervention for much of that time, working with very young children uh, under the age of three. Mm -hmm. And this is my theory. Are you ready for this, Jim? Yep. Okay. I'm ready. Um, My theory is that autistic children have a deep interest in letters and oftentimes numbers shapes and colors as well. And my theory is it's because those are all static concepts. Yeah. Meaning they don't change. They're not variable. So right. an A is always an They're A. They're constant. They're constant. A four is always four, blue is always blue, and a circle is always a circle. And so there is some safety in in the familiar. And, right. And I think that's why, in general, when we think about our son, Aaron, um, he's always struggled with things that are new. I mean, how mm-hmm. long have yep. I described Aaron by saying he doesn't do new? Right. Right. And so that goes back to the, if you look at the diagnostic trait from the DSM, insistence on sameness, right? right. So that we look at that as, oh, that, you know, as if it's a negative. Well, I don't know that it's, it's a negative. It's just simply different. It is, right? Autistic children, uh, autistic individuals uh, like routines. They right. like things to be constant. They don't do new
0: right because it's safe
1: there's safety in that familiar absolutely and so when i think about you know back to when aaron was very young and we would try to engage him in the social activity of trick-or-treating and you mm-hmm. remember how yeah. traumatized he would be by the Halloween costume oh and it gosh. took yeah. I mean the meltdowns were of epic proportion and it took me um, quite a while to really figure out how uh, I mean us we really had to problem solve this when we started understanding sensory you know, and trying to figure out how could we make this activity not new so I started buying his Halloween costume earlier like September right. and right. I can remember Old Navy would always get their Halloween costumes in first and so the first year we started this kind of planning ahead I bought him a chicken suit. Do you remember that chicken suit yep. from Old Navy? It was adorable. It was, I mean, this giant chicken <laughs> suit. I don't know. It was so cute. So, literally, we hung it in the living room like artwork, you know, on the wall. We hung it from some hanger somewhere. And every day, um, I would point it out to Aaron and I would say, Aaron, that's your chicken suit. You're going to wear that on um, October 31st. And he was always a very polite refuser. He would look at it and go, No, thank you. Yep. And he would walk <laughs> exactly away. What that's he exactly said. what he would say there. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. And, but it was there and it hung there for at least 30 days. And so this chicken suit became not new, right? Right. Because it was familiar to him. And I remember when he came home from school that year and he started taking all his clothes off at the front door and I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, time for the chicken suit. Like it was this idea that, okay, I know today's the day I'm putting that chicken suit on. So we did the same thing with new shoes. I would put the new shoes on the stairs. I would say to him, these are your new shoes. I would pick some random date on the calendar. You're going to start wearing them on May 15th. And he would politely say, no, thank you. But right. they sat there and then he would, on that date, whatever date we agreed upon, he would literally hand me his old shoes that were too small right. because he was never going to wear them again. Like that was not an option now because now right. it's time for the
0: new shoes.
1: The new shoes. Yep. And so he's always been very systematic like that. And but
0: Don't you think though that when you did that, when you put, you know, prepared him like that, that you created the sameness?
1: Well, that's why we did it. Yeah, we made yeah. things not new, and that's yeah. really the strategy I share with families now. Is yeah. if there's an upcoming uh, event that doesn't happen very often, and you want to prepare for it, things like birthday parties used to be so traumatic for Aaron. I mean, so traumatic. But we started preparing him for it, you know. And we also started um, uh, really teaching him to self advocate. And he got to where he would we would ask him, "Can we sing Happy Birthday to you?" And he would say, "No." He was. Traumatized by the happy birthday song, right. very startling, out of the blue. So we would ask him, and I remember it's just been a few years ago. Um, we were actually living at the other house, and I asked him, "Buddy, do you can we sing happy birthday to you?" And I remember he thought about it and he said, "You can whisper it." So you, me, Whitney, and Allie, yep. we sat around the table, and we were yep. like, "Happy
0: birthday yep. to you!" Yep. And
1: that was the first time in like a decade that we were and, able and to I think sing that's, to him. I
0: think that's great that that's the and we did it the way he wanted mm-hmm. because otherwise, if you're forcing him to endure it yeah you're doing it for yourself not for him
1: and that's it and that's why you know sometimes I think back you know did he need to go trick-or-treating you know I think that was more for me I wanted the cute pictures it's what society says something to put on Facebook yeah exactly exactly so things are different now and if you have followed me for any amount of time on social media you know that Aaron's favorite holiday is halloween he loves halloween but he does not have any interest in dressing up he for the past what do you think jim five years he was able to say to us i want to hand out the candy he loves to have the kids come up and he loves to see their costumes he
0: likes their costumes
1: and he wants to watch and participate but he wants to be in charge of the candy so he sits out front with his little table
0: i think that you know because he was so tall at at such an early age kind of a a lot of weird looks, you know, when a when a five foot ten, six foot tall kid comes up to the door and
1: maybe so, but I don't think he necessarily. So, I don't know that. But he no, he paid told me. did I, I
0: know he said something to me like, "I'm too big now,
1: I'm too big. Oh well, I'm, and
0: I'm too big. That's
1: good that he was able to again. But so, I don't
0: know if he actually. I saw the the strange. Sure,
1: place. you and I noticed but that. He, I think he I don't just... think
0: he picked up on it, but you know, I was just like, oh. Okay. I just don't
1: think he ever felt comfortable doing it. I don't think no. he understands the purpose of it. And I think when it comes right down to it, he doesn't even like candy. No, he doesn't So like the candy. fact that the reward is a bucket of candy that right. he has zero interest so in. and it, There's I no
0: motivation there for him.
1: Nothing. There's zero interest. Right. And so I don't think it had a lot of meaning. But now that he is able to self-advocate and say to us, mm-hmm. I want to hand out the candy. I mean, it is his favorite. And he takes all of his Halloween decorations out of his room. I'm telling you, the kid loves candy. Uh, holiday decorations. Yeah. In fact, what is his favorite store, Jim? Do you know what his favorite store is called? You're not a big shopper, but do you remember what uh, it's, it's it the, called?
0: the Halloween store? Or it's the
1: at-home store. At-home. At-home. And it's like this uh, decorate. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's for home they, decor. They go
0: seasonal. Right? Yeah, it's seasonal. Yeah.
1: And he will spend literally an hour in the store called at-home right. looking at different decorations. So he has a ton of Halloween decorations. And he literally decorates the outside of our house. Like, like our driveway. Like he takes all his, we have to get little tables, little card right. tables, and he puts all his decorations out mm-hmm. on the candy table. But anyway, so um, yes, he really likes things that are predictable. And so from the time he was, I would say, 18 months, two years old, it was his second Christmas. And I remember we got him a foam letter puzzle with those big, giant foam letters. And it was the only thing he played with. I mean, he had all these other presents. He didn't open um, any other presents. He could have cared less about his Christmas stocking. But he got that foam letter puzzle out. It had letters and numbers. And he was hooked from that day.
0: And I think, you know, for me, because he was so not into Christmas in the beginning when he was little... And now he loves it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I, I... I, It brings me joy to see him love it so much.
1: Yeah, he loves holidays now.
0: So, yeah. you know, because before he... he couldn't care less. No,
1: he really didn't have any interest when he was a young child in any celebrations. No, no. birthday parties, no. Anytime there was going to be loudness or right. a group of people, right. he would prefer to just be yeah, in his he room. He'd put his hands over his ears. He would put his hands over his stop ears. Stop talking. Yeah. He would yeah. say, stop talking. He would literally say, <laughs> stop talking. Or if you sang, yeah, oh my. Stop he would. Singing. Say, no, he would
0: run out of the room. Yeah, usually. he would say, but
1: stop singing. I mean, he was very distressed by all of that. So now that he loves holidays, it is a a really different, um, I don't know, thing for us as parents to get to watch him enjoy holidays because he didn't as a young child. So when we talk about his interest in letters, um, I just want you guys to know that one of Aaron's strengths, and we talk a lot um, about following the child's interests and about writing strengths-based goals and Mm -hmm. about starting every conversation, whether it's an IEP meeting or an IFSP meeting or anything you're doing um, is always talking about the child's strengths. So one of the strengths that Jim and I have definitely noticed in our son over the years is that he has an eye for detail. Oh
0: my gosh, yes.
1: Like, I mean... Most peop- things that most people maybe wouldn't even notice. Aaron not only notices it, but he can describe to you what the differences are and he will, you know, talk in depth about it. So when it comes to letters at Dollar Tree. I don't know if you're familiar with that dollar store. It's, um, I heard one child refer to it as Green Target. So anyways, I think that's funny. Um, Dollar Tree, uh, they have these little foam alphabet puzzles and I had gotten him one probably for like a birthday present or something. So this is a smaller version of the big one. He got that one Christmas when he was two. Um, and he wanted, um, it was uppercase letters. So he wanted to go back and see if they had lowercase letters and they did. So we bought, we ended up buying two of the uppercase and two of the lowercase because some words have more than you know one A or one E or whatever Mm -hmm. well now I think he has about I don't know, I'd say four or five sets of uppercase and four or five sets of lowercase. Like he's got a basket, doesn't he, Jim? This right. huge basket that he carries with him. And it's got all of these foam letters in it. And he loves to spell words when he's watching his favorite show, which is Wild Kratts. Right. That's where his passion for wild animals comes from, is from the Wild Kratts show. But so if it's an episode about peregrine falcons, he has to spell the word you know, the words right. peregrine falcons on the table as he's watching the show. But so in these sets of letters from this letter puzzle, they are different versions. They were probably, you know, produced at different times. And I did not know this. I had to Google it. But you know how when you write a lowercase a, you know how there's two different ways to write it? Mm-hmm. There's like the kind of what I call like the old fashioned way or whatever. And then there's the the a that's more like in cursive. you know, that lowercase right. a that. OK, so the 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 the. Unusual one that is hard to write is called the double story A. Did you know that? No. The double story (laughs) A. The one that is easy to write, which is like basically a circle with a stick next to it. That's called a single story A. Who knew, right?
0: Oh, I knew that one.
1: Oh, you knew that?
0: No. No, you did not. Thank you.
1: So anyways, (laughs) when Aaron saw the double story A for the first time, he said, oh, this one's rare. So he calls that the rare A. Rare is one of his favorite words, isn't it? He talks about things that are rare quite frequently now. The other thing he notices in his lowercase letters is he doesn't know the term serif and sans serif, but you know those two different fonts where some fonts have a little tail at the end, a little, you know, and he definitely noticed those small features at the end of stroke. So some of his lowercase t's, for example, right. they don't look like a cross. They have a little tail at the end. Right. And so he definitely notices it. And so anyways, his eye for detail is just really, really fascinating. Uh, we've always used his interest in letters to build early language and literacy skills. Like mm-hmm. when he was very young, we'd be like, A is for Aaron and right. Allison, right? And right. W is for Whitney and M is for mom and D is for dad. And So he, from a very young age, was very... Very interested in letters. He was spelling, gosh, by age three, wasn't he, Jim? Spelling big, long words.
0: Yeah. He didn't know what they meant. He didn't he... know what
1: they meant, no. But he would spell, I remember one of the words was observatory. Right. Where he saw that word or heard I, that word, I have no idea. I have no idea. But we have, I would take pictures. He spelled that. He spelled astronaut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but he, he really liked long words. He couldn't even really say them necessarily. Motor plan, all the different um, no, syllables it was... in it. But he he would just, no, but all of a sudden there would just be this word sitting on our dining room table with these (laughs) letters and would be like, observatory. Did he literally just, we were so, so floored by that. In fact, we never really had to teach him how to read. Um, Again, he didn't necessarily, because he has hyperlexia, he didn't really understand. what he was reading but he certainly could put letters together and form words and once he had the verbal skills to be able to motor plan and put lots of syllables together he was reading well i think he just
0: he memorized words
1: he definitely memorized words he has a great memory when we talk about strengths that's something Man, we could do an episode on his ability to know where he's been in the city where to turn to get places places he hasn't been for years like
0: you were talking about the details and stuff he he remembers he logs those away and never forget he him. can recall him. he's he's amazing with his recall
1: yeah it is it's pretty fascinating when it comes to things like numbers he's always liked numbers he's always liked calendars and checklists he really likes um, systems you know right. what I mean and yeah. numbers are very much about systems and so he's always uh, done well if you give him a checklist or um, mean, calendars crossing days off tell me Jim do you know I mean I hate to put you on the spot like this but do you know when Aaron vacuums his room
0: uh it's the last saturday of the month of the month
1: yeah, yeah always and he's done that now because his sisters were over one day one i don't know a year ago or during the pandemic and they helped him clean his room on a saturday and they said you should do this every month and he said okay and he was literal like we did it on a saturday it was the last saturday of that month so now right. and i don't have to ask him i don't nothing the last saturday of the month boy he gets everything out of his room he gets that vacuum out and boy
0: i mean i have to admit i i'm a checklist person you've been giving me honey, honey do list, do for, list
1: that's right that's right but it almost, works
0: almost three decades
1: almost now. three decades uh-huh uh-huh so not only does he like numbers um well he likes patterns uh, I I don't know why I just thought of this but when he was we lived in the other house and he had a bunk bed and we had a bunk bed I guess so that if we had um a guest you know or whatever there you know there'd be somewhere else for another person to sleep but he wanted to sleep on the top and on the bottom so he had a pattern like he'd sleep on the top one night and mm-hmm. on the bottom bunk two nights yep. and on the top one night and on the bottom bunk two nights and he had this whole system and there was no changing it like I mean it was just the way it works right. he, he runs on systems Yep. Uh, when it comes to shapes uh, shapes never change either and when he was little I remember one of his first out of the blue words was octagon Right, Because we used to go for walks around our neighborhood, and a lot of the houses in that neighborhood had a little window. Where was it? Like above the front door? Or? I
0: think, yeah, something like that, or, or maybe on a staircase on the side of the house yeah, or something. Yeah, but it was
1: shaped like yeah. an octagon. Yeah. And I must have, or you must have at one point said, oh, look, it's an octagon window. Man, we didn't have to say it once, and everywhere we'd go, he'd point out octagon octagon you know he would point that out Mm -hmm. um and then when it comes to colors he's always been really interested not only in colors but in their names so like he's very specific using words like chartreuse magenta indigo periwinkle um and you know he loves nascar and you were talking about
0: yeah he he, well he notices the different paint schemes that they have and if they're they're different from week to week yeah they and he'll uh he'll talk about you know this oh he's magenta this week Yeah, yeah. He's he's got the, or he's got the the chartreuse or the periwinkle. Yeah, it's (laughs) fascinating. And And he notices if the car
1: is painted a little different. Remember that traffic light story you were telling me about? So
0: every day when I would take him to school, there was this one traffic light, and it was just a different shade of green. And he's like, Dad, that's chartreuse. And so then... We would, we would talk about it every day. I mean, without fail. And then he would always ask me the question, what's that restaurant that has chartreuse in it? And I, I would tell him it was the chartreuse caboose. Yep. You know, and it, I don't know if it's there anymore, but it was in Lee Summit. And he, uh-huh. But we would always have that same. Same
1: conversation. Same
0: little conversation. But the fact he, that he noticed that he, that, he, that
1: green was different from the other right. shades of green and the other right. traffic lights. Yeah. Attention so, to detail. Yeah.
0: So he's he's always been that way, though.
1: Yeah, it's been really fascinating. So from the time he was two, we noticed some of these things. He's now seventeen. We right. still notice, you know, his interest in these concepts that are that are um, static, that never change, right? right? So um, I just I don't know. I just thought it'd be an interesting uh, conversation for us to have because we certainly talk about it, you know, every now and then uh, about his interest in letters, numbers, shapes, and colors, and mm-hmm. just got me thinking how I think many autistic children, you know, have interest in those. So. Anyways, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a review uh, and certainly follow the podcast or um, subscribe to it, depending on what platform you're listening to. And as you head back to the real world, remember joy is a choice that you make every day when you wake up in the morning. Throw kindness around like confetti. And please... Please get your boobies checked every single year. It could just save your life. It certainly saved mine. Until we meet again, cheers.